Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello Ramblers, Andy here and Ramble Meets today has not just one interviewee but two. It's me in conversation with uh, Michael Essien and Johan Giroux who you will all remember I'm sure from uh, their glittering football careers not least in the Premier League. Um, Michael Essien with uh, Chelsea, Real Madrid, uh, Milan, Leon, and I managed to not just asking questions on Leon, which and Janino which was quite an achievement for me I thought. Uh, Giroux from over a decade at Arsenal, um, Birmingham, Hamburg, etc., etc. Um, now a days, um, Jan Giroud has just joined uh, FC Nordseeland as a player, whereas um, Michael Essien is there as a coach. Um, well, player coach is his official title. Um, anyway. Uh, you might have already heard some of the Nordseeland story. I, I hope you have. If you listen to uh, Ramble meets Tom Vernon, um, that was out last week, the chairman of Nordseeland. Um, if you've not, it's on Football Ramble presents the same feed. Go back and have a little listen. Um, but the, the great thing about um, Michael and Johan is they're really into um, the vision, the idea um, of uh, doing something for, for good, of creating this connection between uh, Europe and Africa. So we talked to them a bit about their careers, um, but also about um, steps into coaching and um, imparting some of their wisdom to the next generation. Um, hope you enjoy it. This is Ramble Meets. Michael Essien and Johan Giroux. 
So, Michael, Chelsea-Arsenal was a, a big thing back in those days, wasn't it? It was a really intense rivalry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, well, as you, as you can see, it was very, very intense and it's always going to be because, uh, because of the rivalry between, uh, between the two uh, uh, the two clubs. But, I mean, off the pitch, you know, when we see each other, you know, we show respect to each other. So, so did you only start to really get to know each other more at um, Nortieland when you both arrived in Denmark then? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, every time we've, we've met, it's, it's on the pitch, you know, playing against uh, against each other. But I mean, when we both end up here, that's when we get to to know each other very well. But I didn't know he is, is a nice guy like this. You know? <laughs> 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 so... I guess I want to ask what attracted you both here because like a, a lot of people will be surprised to see two such big names at Nordsjælland, not one of the, the biggest names in, in, in Denmark. Um, Johan, you first. Um, I mean, you've both known Tom Vernon, the chairman, for a, a long time. So was he at the heart of that, Johan? Yeah, totally. I think that uh, Tom uh, and his vision and what he built here in Denmark and uh, for Africa was um, was just, uh, let's say, the the great address for me uh, at the at the stage of my career. You know, I think that at the end of the day, uh, at this time, there is no more about uh, the money or, or or whatever. It's more about learning and uh, having a new experience, but as well in a way of football that uh, I've been used to with, uh, with Arsenal, for example. And I think that everything, every, every, everything is in place to, to develop young talent, to learn um, as a player as well, if I want to be a coach later, uh, maybe in the future. But there is everything in place for, for a player uh, of my age to learn uh, um, still about the game. And that's what I loved about uh, the project here and the long vision, of course, the, 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 the long vision and long-term goals are well very exciting. So I think that all those things uh, made me come here. So we'll come to the long-term goals in a minute, but Johan, it seems like at this experienced point in your career, is that your role? You're almost a coach on the pitch? I'm trying to be. I think that, you know, there, there's a very young team here. So you're trying to, to, to give them a bit uh, of your experience, trying to talk to the guys about uh, the difficult times as well. You know, I think being a player and being around them, to see them on the pitch and to see them uh, above the, uh, I mean, around the pitch is always um, a good thing for them and a learning curve. And I think that uh, that is an important role for me and for and for them for to, to have me around. So I think that... Um, Yes, being a coach, I won't say that because first of all, I have to play and I have to try and play good to be an example. But I think that uh, I'm trying to do that with my performance and the way I can speak to the guys. And Michael, what about you? What led you to Nordsjælland and made you realize that this was the the fit for you as you start out as a coach? Uh, I mean, I'll start by saying, uh, well, I've known Tom a very, very long time because uh, uh, he lived in Ghana for so many years. And obviously, uh, he followed my career since I was 17 up to up until now. So, and uh, I mean, we started talking like five, six years ago. And then uh, when this whole Nordjylland thing came and he wanted me to be here. And I said, I will come at the right time. And, uh, and yeah, uh, I mean, at the end, I found myself here. And as Johan said, I mean, the... 
what attracted me the most is how uh, <clears throat> uh, the philosophy of the of the club and how uh, how they they like to develop the the young ones. And obviously, uh, I'm looking to do my coaching badges as well. So yeah, he gave me this opportunity to be here, to be around the uh, the coaching staff, the players, to see how how things go, how they do things here and stuff like that. And yeah, and also I mean, uh, I join in the sessions sometimes with the with the boys, uh, with the young boys, and you know it's always good to for them to see a uh, uh, kind of a big uh, a big uh, character around them, you know, and uh, they they always come by for. Uh, for some advices and stuff like that, and also, yeah, I mean, it's the whole project is 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 very good for me for my you know taking my you know transition into the into the coaching side of uh, side of the game. So we'll come to the club's connection with Africa in a little bit, but Michael, have you always known you've wanted wanted to be a coach, or was there a point in your career where you thought, yeah, this is something I can do? Because I think people look at your career and they look at the coaches you've played under, of course, particularly uh, Mourinho, Ancelotti. Um, you must have taken a lot from those guys. What, was it working with them that accelerated your desire to become a coach or was this something that was always in your mind? Actually, actually I mean, I didn't, I didn't think I would make that, I would make, uh, that transition because, uh, <laughs> you know, when I was playing, I always say, oh, no, I don't want to be a coach. But then, I mean... Uh, as thing goes on, you know, when you love the game so much, you always trying to be uh, be in the game, be around the game and stuff like that. So uh, I think like two, three years ago, I said, okay, now, yeah, I'm coming to the end of my career. I want to, you know, I want to, you know, learn about the coaching as well, the coaching side of the game. And, uh, and you know, it will give me the opportunity to be on the pitch, to be on to be around the players and stuff like that. And actually, when I started doing the course, I started enjoying it. And I said, okay, this is something I want to do. It. So I just have to give in 100% as I've always been doing. So, yeah. Well, a huge part of both of your jobs at FCN is, is working with those young players. Johan, if we go back to your development as a player, um, how do you look back on how you came through in youth football in Switzerland and how is the experience different for the kids around you at the club now compared to the experience that you went through when, when you were a teenager? I think that if we look at the, the difference between Switzerland and here is that, um, let's say that first of all, we didn't play uh, like a top uh, league football. It was like a second division uh, league in Switzerland, so I didn't really have, um, let's say, big players with a lot of experience. I had uh, all the players with experience in that league, but didn't have the guys who made it to the top. So I think that's like when the transitions that I made from uh, Etoile Carouche to Arsenal, that's where everything changes. Because when I came to Arsenal and you had the big boys like Colo Toure that I had around me and uh, Thierry, who could speak to you on what the journey is and what it takes to make it to the to the top and i think that um, that's my role now is that to be able to give them the tools and not only on the on the pitch because that they are they are brave enough and strong enough to do what they have to do but the mental um strength for the disappointment and how to go about it and i think that's uh, in today's world is is very important to have guys who are mentally strong 
uh, when even when things don't go their way. I mean, when you speak to Tom, of course, he's very passionate about uh, Right to Dream, the academy, and uh, about um, what it can bring to the club as well as what the club can bring to the academy. I mean, that idea of that sort of exchange of knowledge, that exchange of information between Africa and Europe, to me, is, is, is really interesting. So how different do you think um, that is in terms of experiencing that as an academy scholar as, as compared to, to your upbringing, where I, I'm guessing, well, I guess for both of you, it's very much a case of don't say that much in the dressing room, do as you're told, um, earn respect over the years, and, and then you morph into becoming a senior player. I mean, do these young players get more of an opportunity to bring their experiences into the project, do you think? I think, you know what, the, 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 the beauty of the, what he's been doing here is, as you said, I think to bring um, two different cultures together because you have the African culture and the European culture mixing together. And then it's for the guys to adapt to each other and to create the magic to be able to live together. And I think that here the setup is that everyone has a say, even in the training, even in the tactical approach, the players can be involved and speak their mind if they don't agree with, a, with a, let's say, a, a tactical thinking of a coach. So, like, as you said, maybe in a, uh, back in the days where we had, we had to don't really say anything and just go uh, with our job and be able to perform, and even if we were not maybe okay with it, but times changed. And I think that, hey, they have all the kids have the right setup to be able to express themselves. Michael, what about you? When you first uh, came over to Europe as a teenager, what you were, I, I guess, 18 when you arrived at Bastia? Uh, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I turned 18 when I, when I, when I got to Bastia. And uh, I mean, as you once said, back in the days, it's all about you do as you were told. You know, you don't ask many questions. So you just go with with what you have to do. But I mean, here the the environment is quite open and uh, they get the players very much involved. And uh, I think that's, that's also good for them because uh, it kind of, uh, you know, kind of develop them to be, uh, I mean, to have uh, the opportunity to, to speak out and you know, voice out their opinions and, you know, yeah, we, then we, we work together as as a team. How was that leap to senior football for you? If 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 we go back to when you were there, when when you arrived um, to Bastia, and it's it's different, of course, because it's not mainland France as well. It's it's, it's different. But um, how was that as a teenager having to adapt to, I guess, men's football in a in, in a different continent? <laughs> I mean, I didn't. Well, I didn't look into that very much because I have only one thing in mind: is 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 to play football. So that's that's all I, I think about, and you know. And so I try to give everything on in training and on the game. If I have my I have the chance, I just work uh, work hard as I can for 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 the team to you know to win games. So. I mean, I think by doing that kind of developed me in, uh, in a different way into, uh, to become a man. And I guess the environment was different again when you arrived at Lyon. I mean, there are 
a winning team, winning culture, um, some big senior players there. Um, so how did you adapt to that? I mean, you're going from playing for a, a Ligue 1 team to playing to, to, for a team that's in Europe all the time and to, to being part of a team that's expected to, to win all the time. So did that really accelerate your development as a young player? I, th- I think it did because uh, I'm uh, I'm a type of guy. I, li- I like to win. I like to win. I I hate losing to say. So I'm very uh, I'm very very much competitive. So when I made that transition into into Lyon, Lyon into Lyon, I mean I already have that winning mentality and uh, and I had a great opportunity to play for Lyon, and which they were the best in uh, in France at that time. So uh, kind of it kind of uh, developed. Uh, me very quickly because uh, the, I, I'm, a, I'm a winner. I like to win, and I'm in a team that wants to win everything. So it's you know, and with you look around you with you know top top players, so it, it made it more uh, more easier for me to you know to uh, to be around. And of course, Leon are a club that have always at the heart of what they do. They develop young players. I mean, you think even. After you you left, you had I guess you had Sidney Govu at the at the time, and after you left, you had um, Benzema, Ben Arfa. Nowadays, we can talk about Lacazette, Nabil, Fekir. What do you think they did right in terms of youth development? Uh, I mean, with the name with the names you've mentioned, I mean, uh, they, they are doing something something good because I mean, being the back then, being uh, being with the first team, you hardly. Uh, Kind of see the the academy boys or the the young one. We hardly see them, but I know they. I mean, they are doing their job to you know to develop them. And I remember Ben Affa and Benzema and them lot, Remy. They always come and uh, and train with the first team. Then they then they go with the reserves or they go to their age groups. So it was it was quite hard to see them, but every year every year or so at least. Uh, Two or three of uh, of the academy boys or the young ones, the reserve players, always uh, make that transition into the into the first team. Uh, Johan at Arsenal, um, Arsene Wenger's whole image is um, built around uh, developing young players and um, you know developing a, a certain way of playing. How do you think being with Wenger in your formative years affected the way that you? look at football and the way you look at how young players should be developed? I think that's, this is the base for me. I think this is the basics because, um, as you said, it's a totally different uh, philosophy and totally different view of football. I think you learn so much of being, uh, as you are an academy player, as I came at 16, you know, I had a chance to go through um, the ranks, for example, 117 with uh, Steve Bold, and then a bit of the of the reserves with Nick Benfield, and then when you get to the first team, is uh, everything that you've learned under is the same, and then when you get to that level where you you have him as a coach, the way he wants to develop, the way he talks to you, the way he wants things to be done, the way you have to orient it, the, the way you see the game is totally different things of just being a football player. You're, you're a learner of the game still, you know, and I think that um, that's what made a difference. And that's what, let's say, if you buy into it, you have more chance to, to make it than not. And uh, that's why I think uh, 
uh, I had uh, the chance to play for, for Arsenal for 10 years because I, was, uh, I wanted to learn all the time and he gave me the tools to be able to do that. And, and so what is the relationship with Wenger? I mean, what does he do particularly to develop young players? Because it's interesting, he's never really talked that much, certainly publicly, about tactical details. He doesn't seem to be the same sort of coach as, say, a Pep Guardiola, where every tiny little detail is poured over. What's different about Wenger? What's so special about him that makes you come away thinking, I'm growing as a player? It's, it's the passion that he puts into his words and the, the explanation that he gives you. Because I think that we have to remember as well is that now the access to uh, teams is easier. You see uh, the, the Amazon documentary where you are able to be in and feel and see a Pep Guardiola or a Mourinho. But I have to say that Wenger on the pitch day, on the tactical, was the same. Would give you details and take the players aside to give them a little insight of the things that he wanted to do. And um, so that's the thing. I think it's a bit of change of the game that makes a difference. But he was quite similar. Maybe not, uh, let's say, as um, uh, with the, let's say, the emotion as, um, as Pep. But every word that he said that came out of his mouth was key to uh, the development or even any players that you see that came through his rank. If you look at the Thierry's or the Patrick Vera coming from Milan or Juventus, the, 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 or Cesc, the, 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 let's say the progression that they had on the rim is just uh, unbelievable. Michael, what about you? What, who was the one coach who thought, who, you sort of connected with where you thought I would like to be able to reach players as a coach in the way that this coach does me? Well, I mean, I can, I can mention so many, so many coaches because uh, I mean, I've, I've played under so many coaches and every, everyone is different. So, I mean, uh, I'll probably say if I can, you know, Big, you know, I would take Mourinho as an example because uh, I was very much connected uh, with him and uh, also Ancelotti as well. But they both are two uh, two different uh, coaches. But I mean, they all have the same uh, the same goals. They are winners. They want to win, and and, uh, and I mean, they give you like the tactical details. They give you like you know, they make they give it to you and make sure it's very clear. So when you're on the pitch, you know what to do. So yeah, that's is one of the things I'm gonna, you know, always gonna, gonna carry with me, and then uh, hopefully I can transmit that to, uh, you know, into the into the boys that if one day I become a, I become a manager, a coach, then yeah, head coach AC. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if if we take it back to Nordseeland, uh, Johan, of course we've talked about the the, the connection with Africa. You were born in Africa, but brought up in Switzerland. Is this almost you reconnecting with your African roots in a way and watching young African players from Ghana and Ivory Coast, where you're from, get this opportunity in Europe? Totally. I think that um, I've never really been disconnected because as I said before, when I got to Arsenal, there were so many African boys, you know, like the Koro Toure, the Ebue, the Song, the Bayor. So you always had that, that connection around. But it's true that it's nice to see those young players with big dreams 
uh, having the chance to being given the chance to um, uh, show the talent, you know, and with the background, so the story of, of everyone is so special. You know, if you get into it and you speak to them, I've heard some things that sometimes is blown away to see the guy still standing and having fun and, and enjoying himself uh, on the pitch, even uh, even though what he went through. So that shows you how people are so strong and let's say that they don't really get affected by what's, what's been around their life before that and they just want to make it and be able to provide and enjoy for the, for, for the family. But it's just so, it's nice to be around that because as I said, as you said rightly, um, I can see a bit of myself uh, with big dreams in Africa when I was only crawling on the floor and having a ball every time around me and dreaming of being a footballer. They have the chance here and it's, uh, it's amazing to see. But tell us a bit, Johan, a bit more about what that environment is because it's not just about the football. It's about giving um, players and people the tools to go forward in life. I mean, I guess you're at a point in your career where you can understand the, the bigger picture a little bit more. How well do you think the players grasp that? And do you think the environment at North Zealand helps them to grasp that, that there's, there's more to life and football's a part of it? Totally. I think that's... The platform is amazing for them because I would say that the bigger picture, of course, is to develop them in the best way so they can go aboard or to bigger clubs ready. But in every state of mind, you know, we're talking about obviously the technical aspect, the tactical aspect, but as well the personality of a player. And I think that's very important as well that we should not forget that every player is a human being and not a, machi not a machine or a robot. And I think that. That is something here that they want to listen to the feelings. They want you to tell them if you're not feeling well, if you're not happy, because that's okay. Those emotions are fine. You should be able to perform, but if you don't feel okay, we can speak about it and tell the reason why. So the platform is very, very, uh, let's say, um, well done to have the best possible athlete and person going forward. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Michael, how different do you think 
the opportunities are for young Ghanaians and also young Ivorians coming into through right to dream and into Nordzieland. How different are the opportunities that they have to the opportunities that you had when you were a teenager hoping to make it in the professional game? I mean, it's, I mean, uh, it's great, great opportunities for them because I didn't have that when I was growing up. I have to figure, you know, in a different way. But I mean, they have, uh, you know, they get them when they are very young. They put them in the academy, and then they kind of, uh, you know, give them all the tools. Then they they will bring them to uh, to. Uh, uh, to FC Nordland, so they go through the same system, and then when they come here, it is is the same thing. So it's it's very uh, good for them, very uh, very great opportunities, and uh, I hope they you know they grab it with uh, with both hands and you know and work towards it to become a, to have a, to have a good career for themselves. And what sort of effects do you think this could have, the fact that Right to Dream is doing so well in, in, in Ghana and being so successful at, at bringing players over? And you look at players that have been sold on by Naughty Island or, or already by like uh, Mohamed Kudus, who's, who's gone to Ajax and is, is doing a great job there. Do you think this is something that could actually help the, the Ghanaian national team as well? Uh, well, I hope so. I hope so. But I, then, I mean, when these kids, when they grow up, everyone, uh, they became men and everyone go goes their way, you know. And I mean, if they can manage to get all these boys into the into the national team, it's going to it's gonna help a lot. But then it's, it's not down to me. But I mean, I'm more, you know, concerned and more focusing on their development because this, as I said, is, is a great opportunity for them. And uh you know they have all the tools, everything, everything to make them uh, succeed and be and have a good career for themselves. And you know, and also uh, I'm going to touch on this one because is the right to dream is not only about football. Is they have the educational academical side of the of, of the academy as well. So if you go there and you're not. You know, you're not good at football, and you're good on the academic level. Then they push you. So they have, uh, I think, Right to Dream have uh, maybe 50, 50, 60 plus uh, students in in America in one of all the you know big universities there. So it's not only about football. So. Michael, do you think that's something that's forgotten sometimes? That in an academy, it is an intensely competitive environment, but not everyone makes it as a pro. I mean, it seems to me that what you guys are trying to do in the academy is form people knowing fully and recognizing fully that not everyone's going to make it at pro level, let alone elite level. Exactly, exactly. Because when people hear academy straight, they think about football. You understand? But I mean, it's, as I said, it's not only about football. And as you said, there's, there's a lot of competitions and nobody, not all of them can become... Uh, a professional footballers, you know, but I mean, they can, in the academic side, they are very good. So, you know, they push them, uh, they, they look, they look at the kids and, you know, figure them out where they are very good at. And then they, they, they support, they, they support them from, from, from there. So yeah, it's, it's great thing they are doing. So Johan, you said, um, how, when you spoke to Tom and you thought about the point you were in your career, you were, sold on the vision and we already talked about that kind of exchange um, between Africa and, and, and Europe how much of the work 
that you are doing and that the club are doing is is about actually providing infrastructure in in Africa because it always traditionally it feels as if um, European clubs are going prospecting for talents so they're taking stuff out of Africa but they're not necessarily putting stuff in but this project is very very different isn't it can you explain how that is and how important that is to you I think it's very important and it changed um, let's say the vision a bit of, of football because it, there was one thing we have to remember is that uh, they were able to buy FC Nordjylland with what came through Africa and not the other way around. And I think that sometimes we tend to forget that, that um, the vision here is, is very simple, is that there is some raw talent in Africa and you have the chance to exploit in the right way, as you said before, because the thing is like you're taking them, you're giving them the chance to become someone of a footballer, but after they're going back, to the national team or to, you know, to those kind of things that belong to Africa. And I think that's a very, very good signal for, for football to show that you don't always have to go and buy big name players around to make, to, to make them great and to become like a, a, a figure in the international football. Because now we're talking about FC Nordjylland, but we know what's come next. You know, there is other plans with other places to grow up with the same um, uh, academy and, uh, and mindset. So I think that what the, the point here is to, 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 that we have to understand is how everything came together. It came through Africa and not the other way around. And so when you look, you touched on it there about identifying with the club as a, a certain type of way of doing things. I mean, if, if you look back through the, the, the history of football and, you know, we touched on Leon before Michael and uh, you can touch on Ajax, for example, who've got this reputation of producing young players. Um, Michael, is this something that Nordseeland, in terms of how they're perceived by football fans for what they do on the pitch, is this something that's an advantage, do you think, if, if, if you have this academy creating a particular way of playing and a particular way of doing things on the pitch when it gets to first team level yeah I mean I, I think so because I mean as as you said I mean here yeah, it's, it's just to give them the tools you know you know teach them the bases you know the tactical technical aspect of the game so I mean they take they take that with them so when they go to different clubs they already know how 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 is done? How they have to do it? So it, it will be more easier for them to adapt to to other clubs when they when they leave. So I mean, what they are doing here is is great. I, I really have no I've not really seen uh, something like this. So I mean, it's it's a great thing they are doing here. And as I said, the boys should take a very good advantage of it. And both of you have have been at huge clubs before, where there's a, a real pressure to get results. Johan, you, you're still obviously a, a, a player for the team. Um, in terms of the way the he supporters is my player. feel. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's all down to you now. If, if, it, if it goes wrong, it's not his fault, it's your fault. <laughs> Buck stops to the coach. <laughs> so uh, what, what sort of um, pressure is there in, in, in terms of results? I mean, obviously, there's not the same sort of pressure as there would be at an Arsenal or a Chelsea. 
But is there more understanding from the supporters because they see what you're trying to do or is that still that same kind of pressure for results on the pitch, Johan? I would say that um, it's hard to know because I, we have been, I haven't been able to play in front of fans here at the moment. So I don't really know uh, what's the expectation. But I, what, I, what I know is that when you're a football club, you want to have results. I think that goes for, for, for anyone. But obviously, as you said the understanding is a bit bigger because they know that the club philosophy is maybe, let's say, first or was first to develop players. And that you know that with a very young team, it's always difficult to have some consistency. You know, so I think that there is some understanding. But of course, when you come in, you try and, and bring that winning mentality, even though, as you said, as is it's... Let's say it's a bit harder because you know that when you develop and you grow into the game, sometimes you have uh, less uh, consistency than when you have, let's say, five, six guys with experience that can that can be able to get the guys together and uh, hold the strings together. So I think the, the understanding is there, but obviously I think the club wants to try and go higher, that's for sure. Well, of, of course, they've qualified for, for for Europe before and stuff like that. So I, I guess that's the aim again. But you, you talked about playing in um, empty stadiums there. I mean, obviously, this has been a huge shock for, I guess, every footballer and every football fan as well, everything that's gone on over, over the last year. I mean, it must be an unusual experience for you. So tell us a bit about how it's been for you to play in empty stadiums and how do you think that's affected some of the younger players who, like, football is their life, and all of a sudden, A, it comes to a grinding halt, and B, it restarts again, but only a half sort of version of, of, of what it normally is. How, how have you found it, and how have they found it? So I would say that for me, it's been um, strange, because uh, I've been used to play around a lot of fans, and um, it's true that now it changes. You have to be able to motivate the guys, motivate yourself. There is not the same... Uh, let's say adrenaline because you know that when you go to a away ground you know you you will hear the fans screaming or when you're home you have the the support behind you but um, I would say that with the experience that I have I, I find the tools to motivate myself because it's, at the end of the day it's football but on the other hand for young kids I would say that it goes in both ways because you have guys now who are very young playing with no fans, so I think that it takes the pressure a bit away. So you are more able to express yourself in a way. I think that sometimes when you come into the big stadium with a lot of uh, fans, maybe you get to be a bit tense and you cannot really see uh, in the first few games, obviously, after uh, after you get a bit looser and you, and you get used to it. But I think that for some of the kids, there is some positive because they've been able to play young and to be free to be free on the pitch, not worrying about uh, fans screaming or whatever. But obviously they haven't, as you said, um, experienced the real deal of being in front of 30, uh, 25,000 fans where they can feel uh, the, the pressure as well uh, when you are one nil up or one nil down when the, when the, the electricity is in the, is in the, in the, in the stadium. So that's something hopefully will come back to normal uh, at some point. But obviously, we have to think about the the hair first and the, and everything that is most important. And Michael, how has it been for you as a coach? Because I, I guess it's a completely 
different ball game. Maybe players during a game can always at least pretend they don't hear you when you've got a full crowd in. I mean, you know, you've played at um, not just some huge clubs, but some with really intense atmospheres like Panathinaikos, for example, where you just can't hear anything in Leofaros. So how has it been for you? Has it been easier in that you can actually get your instructions across to the players? I mean, how has it changed things for you? Well, I mean... Uh... At the end of the day, it's football. But now, as you said, you can. If I shout, you can't tell me you didn't hear, because the whole stadium can hear me. <laughs> so, uh, at some at some point, I mean, I think it's good for the coaches because they can uh, uh, send the message across very uh, very quickly. Whereby, when it's full house, sometimes it's difficult to you know for the player uh, to hear on the, on the on the far side. So, I mean, we have to. Is is how it is now. We have to adapt it, and uh, hopefully uh, things uh, get back to normal. When it does get back to normal, mm. will you have to change the way that you communicate with players? Do you think? Well, it's still going to be the same. If the if it's in the the players in the far end can't hear, you have to send a message through somewhere, someone to them. So it's it's always going to be the same. But I mean, now it's it's more easier to for you to I mean to scream and and they they get the message across quickly. So what sort of coach are you on a, on, on a match day, Michael? Are, are you someone who's, who's talking all the time or are you one of those who once they go over the line, you think, all right, it's, it's your gig now, you deal with it? No, I don't, I don't shout. I don't shout. I don't sit on the bench. But, you know, I kind of when I'm sitting on the stands uh, with other coaches, I mean, sometimes I, I scream a little bit, but it's normal to, you know, to push the, push the boys. But other than that, I like uh, when they are off, off the page, then I go, you know, talk in, you know, give some individual talks to the, uh, to the players. I mean, you're, you're still registered as a player. Are we expecting to see you like, lining up along <laughs> Johan at some point this season? No, no, no. no. I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you don't think it's going to happen? That's not yeah, a definite no, yeah, is it? No, I don't think it's going to happen, no. Do, do, do you miss it when you're when you're playing with the with the youngsters and as you say you can see those dreams and those hopes of where they're going in the, in, in the future? Does that make you think of young you and miss it a little bit? Ah, uh, so, sometimes, sometimes. But I mean, I'm very. Uh, I would say I'm very uh, strong-minded person. I know. I mean, it will come to an end at some point. But I mean, I still get the chance to be on the pitch with them, which is you know I enjoy doing that. You know, give them some few knocks, you know, tell them to be tough. So, yeah, it's, it's good. Johan, you're not going to try and persuade him out of retirement, are you? <laughs> no, I try. We had a discussion because I think that what he didn't say that his first, when he came first, was to play, like the idea of them was to make him play. But obviously, I try sometimes to tell him, like, you know, try and give us a, just a game in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, but, did, he did play. He did play that time at centre back for Chelsea when John Terry was injured. So maybe he could move back a little bit. What do you reckon? <laughs> no, their boys are so fast now. <laughs> They're so quick. <laughs> and, and so, in in terms of tactics, is 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 uh, are you a coach, Michael, who wants to get your tactical ideas across, or is it mainly about? 
fitness and athleticism? Is it mainly about, as you say, the basics in terms of skills and, and positioning? What do, you, what do you try and concentrate on? I, I think what's important for me at the moment is a, is a, uh, is a tactical side of the game, you know, because that's when uh, you can win a game by, you know, by your tactics. So that's what I'm trying to get, spend more time on uh, doing, and that's what I'm doing, actually. But, I mean, when it comes to, to natural skills, I mean, the boys, they, they've got the talent. You just have to, you know. Uh, fitness, they, you know, they are fit, they are, they are young, they are very fit. So, I mean, the tactical aspect is more, is more, is more important. Johan, if we uh, talk about the playing side of it for, for, for you, I mean, um, you, you had that great decade at Arsenal and then you had some tough times fitness-wise. I mean, do you feel a, a sort of, I guess, a certain freedom in that you're at a point in your career where, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about earning money. It's maybe not even necessarily about winning trophies, but about... A, helping the people around you and B, sort of, I guess, drinking in the back end of your, of your football career. I mean, how, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think that's uh, a point, as you said, is like, as well as to be able to, 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 to play, you know. I think that uh, like the last years have been tough on, uh, on, on, on injuries and I think that he uh, started very well, you know. I, I, I feel good and I felt good and I think that's first the first point and then obviously when you're in that state of mind is everything uh, easier to help uh, the other guys and I think that at the end of the day you have to take a bit of step back you know like a step back and just like let the young players be and that's the kind of uh, guy I am you know I've always been that way I want to help I want to give, um, let's say, the, the right words at the right moments to give them confidence. And um, that's, the, that's the thing that I can do and I can bring. So obviously, being able to play, enjoying, and uh, being able to give uh, the insight of the, 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 the question as well as like, show the young players that even at 34, I'm still working really hard to be able to, to be on the pitch. Just to finish, two big questions uh, for, for both of you. Firstly, what are you hoping for from the rest of this season? And secondly, where do you see the club in five years' time? You first, Michael. Uh, I mean, uh, we, we're hoping we can finish, uh, at least if we can finish in Europe, we, we can get a chance to, uh, to play in Europe. Uh, and uh, for me to see the club in five years, uh, I mean, hopefully uh, in five years' time, the club will be uh, will be fighting for the for the top. You know, will be in the top three. What about you, Johan? Yeah, I think Michael said everything right. I think that uh, right now we we let's say for the end of season, we have to try and finish in the top six. And try to play that uh, the, in the top half of the league. And I think the next five years, I think for me, will be more about, um, of course, here uh, that team, but as well about the whole project because everything is developing. And I think that uh, the club here will benefit as well a lot from what's going to happen. But obviously, the, the, the goal is to be able to compete with the FC Vigilant and, um, and Copenhagen 
at the top uh, at some point, but that could be even before than, than five years. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, guys. Um, I wish you all the luck for the rest of the season and um, at the club. And um, yeah, I'll be uh, keeping up to date with how you're going. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye. was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.